0: But what that really taught us that there's actually a massive demand for interaction at the home. I call it home engagement, home pickup, home drop off. Just like when you were talking to Scott at Spiffy, people want services at their house. I'll
1: take you a step further. People don't want services at their house. People don't want to waste time. Exactly.
0: You're exactly right.
1: What's up, everyone? This is Car Dealership Guy. You're listening to the Car Dealership Guy podcast, which is my effort to give you access to the most unbiased and transparent insights into the car market. Let's get into today's episode. Kevin Malik is CEO of RunBuggy, an online marketplace that connects car shippers and car haulers. Imagine you buy a car online, you need to get it shipped to your home. Kevin solves that with an easy online solution. In this conversation, we discussed the nuts and bolts of automotive transport, cracking the cold star problem for an online marketplace, how RunBuggy makes money, and the concerning economic indicators that Kevin is exposed to. But before we dive into the show, theft is plaguing dealerships nationwide, losing car keys is an unneeded cost, and searching for keys can lead to bottlenecks in the sales process. Keeper Systems has the solution for dealers. The Keeper MX is the number one key control solution in the auto industry, handling millions of transactions per day. It features a 16-gauge steel cabinet with a built-in camera and a puck lock for additional safety, along with many other features so that dealers can know who took a key, when, and why. Keeper Systems has been in the auto industry for over 40 years and is in over 12,000 dealerships, offering exclusive key control for 6 out of 10 biggest automotive groups in the world. They have a wide range of products that fit the needs of franchise dealers, independent dealers, and even the smallest pre-owned lots. New customers can take advantage of my partnership with Keeper Systems right now to receive an exclusive discount. All you need to do is visit KeeperSystems.com, click on the Car Dealership Guy link, and fill out the form to receive 25% off your first key machine purchase. Or if you prefer to call, just mention Car Dealership Guide to receive your discount. KeeperSystems.com, K-E-Y-P-E-R-Systems.com. Kevin Malik, welcome to the CDG
0: Podcast. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming on. I want to start right, get right into the nitty gritty, was looking through your background a bit and found it a bit surprising that you went from the hospitality industry into this logistics tech.
0: Can you walk us through that? Like your background, how did you get started? How did this all happen? Yeah, there's actually, there's a lot of steps in there. I think that was probably the longest kind of tenure I had, but really always grew up in the tech space, right? Started my career with Accenture, left there pretty quick to start an SAP consulting firm, joined Starwood Hotels when there was less than... 100 hotels. When I left, there was 1,100. So I had the fortunate experience of seeing massive scale and what was kind of even a little bit startup-y, right? And growing from um, you know, what was that 30, 40 hotels to, like I said, 1,100. So learned quite a bit, helped grow um, everything from the technology side, worked with the executive team, and I think really cut my teeth on global scale, finance, um, venture capital, all of that, right? Reported dotted lineup to the CFO.
1: Got it. That's, you did that while at Starwood? Yeah. So I What do you that, mean? So what do you would you say like venture capital there? How did that How did that play in there?
0: So, you know, you think about it as probably more, I probably say closer to private equity, right? You know, as we as we grew, right, you know, from a company that eventually acquired Sheraton, launched the Weston brand and had only a few hotels, there was a lot of uh, uh, acquisitions. There was a lot of discussions around capital raises. And I mostly cited it from a technology perspective, right? How are we going to scale things? How are we going to service our back office? And so while I wasn't actually actively, you know, helping the finance team, it was listening and learning kind of in the early formative years of my career.
1: What's it like working for
0: Barry Starlinked? What is that like? So it was interesting, right? So Barry's out of, uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I like the smile. Yeah. I'm ready for this one. I spent a lot of time with him. I spent time with his team, obviously. Right. But, you know, out of, out of Grange, Connecticut, actually yesterday I was wearing a Starlink Capital shirt. One of my good friends still works there. Yeah. You know, incredibly dynamic. Right. And I was probably too young to realize what I had. Right. Started there in my late 20s. And I won't say how old I am now, but, um, you know, probably double that. And uh, <laughs> it was it was really interesting. Right. I I, I, I really appreciated the the tension, the detail, the design, but also just get it done mentality. Right. Let's not do analysis paralysis. Let's grow, and the end product, which was you know, could be a new Weston, could be a, uh, a Phoenician, and just amazing to see the growth. Right. And um, you know, I think I think obviously he's gone to be one of the most successful real estate investors in the world. So I think that tells you what kind of organization it was.
1: Yeah, definitely a good place to get started. So, so what came after that?
0: Yeah. So you know, after that, I, I decided like, hey, I want to try this fancy thing called a startup. Right. I joined um, a few guys that were building a data center company in, in Phoenix, Arizona. And, you know, I was working in the data center. I was helping, you know, build things for Starwood and get things going. And this is really before the advent of cloud, right? I mean, to date myself, I remember getting my first phone, which is a Blackberry and looked at, put it in my drawer, and that was the end of that, right? And these guys had this, this notion, they were building the one of the largest data centers in the world. I joined them as CIO. Um, spent, uh, about four and a half years there went on, they went on to raise about 600 million in capital. Actually, I think they do, or they did held the, the record for the most amount of venture capital and debt raised in Arizona at the time. So another high scale, fast paced growth, really learned group from, I think it was employed 35 to 500, built the software, built the team out, um, and spent four and a half years there after that went on to do some venture partner work, um, you know, worked actually with the chairman of MasterCard in the startup in, in uh, London, working on IOT, um, and then bounced around quite a bit doing consulting work, support work, and came across this idea. These three guys, three founders who are still involved today. They've got a product, it's MVP. They they ship cars for you know a couple of clients and they do predominantly Southern California. I took a look at it and I said, this is really interesting, right? Before all this, I had bought a car and bring a trailer. Right. And, uh, I'm like, I didn't know how to get it to me. And I dialed and I said, wait, you mean, oh, so you're, you're, having you're,
1: you're really a car guy.
0: Oh yeah. I I'm afraid actually. I'm afraid that I might start. About you're more EVs. than me. I got to tell you. Yeah. You're if more than we me. About EVs, I feel like Steve Greenfield will pop up. Scott will pop up and I'll get yelled at by one of them.
1: I'll be curious to hear your take there, but we'll get yeah, there. Yeah.
0: yeah, We'll get to that. So, you know, they had this idea and, um, I, I said, this is, this is fascinating. This is about, you know, Q3 of 2018. Right. And they opted Q3 to make- of
1: 2018, yeah. okay. and now at, at this point the company is live or is it still like it's being live, incubated? Right? There, there's
0: a couple customers, right? There's um, a handful of transporters, you know, uh, a couple hundred cars a month being transported.
1: Interesting. Yeah. And I think
0: at that time, you know, the first thing that came to my mind is like
1: Uber. How did Uber not capitalize on this opportunity? I know they have like Uber Freight and all that. And we can get into that too yeah. as well. But Q3 2018. I feel like if I'm not mistaken, that's right around the period where Uber had a bunch of shakeup with management and stuff. But just kind of walk me deeper through that. This seems like such a simple idea, right? So practical. So it just makes so much sense. This, it, it seems like food delivery to me. It's like, yeah, obviously if we need to get a car shipped, we're not going to do this manually by phones or email. Like It's going to be done through an app. Yeah. How did you guys wedge into the market Yeah, the founders and then you? Yeah. Hey,
0: you know, it seems like a simple concept, right? And in the gray hair, tells a little bit of a different story.
1: Well, to, to be clear, the concept is simple. The business, I'm sure, is very yeah. so sophisticated, the concept complicated. Concept is super <laughs> simple,
0: right? I think people say, "Oh, you're a lot like Uber, you're like like Lyft, or maybe Uber Freight, Convoy. But let, let's put it this way, you know, where you generally have a, a, a marketplace and you have someone that is going to get a ride or moving an object, right? Shipping or food delivery. It's usually within a city, right? Or if you are a convoy over freight, you're going from port to a major distribution hub or distribution hub to another another distribution hub or store of that nature. As we started doing this, we realized that I might ship a car from my house to your house. I might ship it from a dealership to an auction, an auction to port or to auction. To, you know, I'm going to fast forward here, but now in the last 18 months, we've covered 125,000 unique addresses, shifting cars, Right. And it gets more and more complex. I'm one of them. You are one of them. Yeah, I've seen that, right? And so I think the thing that was really exciting, so we, we built this, this software, right? And we thought, hey, we're a startup. Every book we read on startups and everything, we're going to start in Southern California. And we're going to do this in Southern California, and we're going to perfect it. And we're going to launch, slowly go from city to city. Then comes along, um, one of our first big customers, and I'll mention here, was, was Toyota Financial Services, And fair, right? This is 2019. And they're like, well, you can't just ship cars in Southern California. Who cares? They got to go everywhere. Right. And so how do you start a marketplace across the United States? That was the hard part. Yeah. The cold star problem. So tell me about that. It was a lot of a lot of phone calls, right? It was a lot of can you move this car? Can you do it? Who are you? Are you a broker? Do you have technology? You can't just build a marketplace across the United States overnight it was trying to price uh trying not to lose money trying to find someone to pick up the car and while building what you know has become the most robust platform in the middle of it so right. extremely difficult
1: but when you say started like so what did you actually do right did you pick up the phone call some major dealer groups like hey I know you're shipping cars use us here's why like yep. how did that actually work yeah and and my assumption is that you went after businesses first before consumers because it's just a it seems like an easier distribution channel to crack. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we
0: we went to businesses first, right? There's there's re- there's repetitive routes there. There's higher volume. And it was a little bit like, hey, we, we have this little MVP software. We are, you know, this is where I think we were really smart, but we're we're a mixture of automotive guys, right? If you look at my executive team, a lot of them spent a lot of time at Toyota, at lenders, where um, we have a very, very skilled technology team and a, a skilled operations team. Give us some of your business, let us try it with our with our software and see how it goes, right? Like any good startup, it was a little bit of salesmanship. It was a little bit, of, I'll say a little bit of begging.
1: What was the value proposition though? Why would I use you, right? Your early stage, like why the heck would I use you?
0: Even at that point, even yeah. at that point, um, we still had software that gave you an interface that let you look at everything, let you enter things. And this is this is beginning of 2019. Right? It, you know, if you look today, it's most like, hey, call us, we'll give you a quote, then we will send you an email when it's done. There's this clamoring for logistics, especially automobile logistics, to be part of the supply chain, right? Let us flow information directly into the software and spread it out to the marketplace. So we didn't want to go out and say, hey, we'll do it faster, we'll do it cheaper. That's part of the sales pitch sometimes, right? But it was really, let us hook into your system let us have communication back and forth and let us f- feed your systems upstream so you know where your asset is at all times. How
1: early did the founders bring you in? It just feels like you started the, what you're telling me right now. You know, I hear the words MVP. And to think that you came in so early, it's it seems like such a risky move by founders. Uh, and I commend them for that because clearly it's worked out tremendously and you've done a great job. But like, how did that work to bring in someone so early like walk me through so, that.
0: I think these guys did these guys did a phenomenal job in the sense that you know they they got they got their initial funding, right? And I was was part of that 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 discussion and they realized that, hey, if we want to make this very large company, we want to ship hundreds of thousands of cars. There has to be a substantial investment in technology, right? We also have to be able to talk to corporate executives, we also have to be able to deal with individuals and dealers and bring the value up, right? It's really easy to say, hey, we built an app. That's not, that's not hard. Right. Yeah. It is one thing to have a legal department. It's another thing to have insurance. It's another thing to uh, raise money. It's another thing to develop the cybersecurity programs around all of this. Right. And so I think they were I think they were, you know, forward thinking enough that like, hey, let's stay involved. Let's do what we do, which is yeah, it's going to be and, a real company. Yeah. It's going to be a real company
1: and we need someone to run it properly. Yeah. And we're
0: here 140 people today. Yeah. So
1: you mentioned raising money. Tell me more about that. Was it you that sort of steered the company towards venture capital? Why did you do that? Did you raise the money yourself? Can you kind of explain that to
0: us? A yeah. Bit? So, you know, we, we got the initial seed funding from, uh, all my capital, a large dealership group out of, out of Southern California. And that was how we got our our product going that's in early 2019 and this was is this the founder's dealership no the founders the founders do not have dealerships this is this is so, a, so what's the
1: connection yeah
0: they just happened to come across this group that they were selling to so they were selling the product uh, to a, a dealer and this is the dealership group that i knew and that's how we got involved and that's the initial funding
1: Oh, okay. Got it. Oh, I like that. Okay. So the customer invested. That's a great way to do it. And it's a huge testament. Okay. So that's, you know, that's the first round. What about like later capital, more institutional yeah, capital?
0: Yeah. So, so, so as we started to get traction, there's, and I think there's a little bit of a story to tell here what really made it. So yeah, going into 2019, 2000, you know, Q1, 20, the pandemic hits and we're like, as a startup, uh-oh, like, what are we going to do? Everything's closed. The dealership's closed. I was going to buy a car. And we have been talking to um, a couple of lenders, right? In particular, BMW Financial Services, Toyota Financial Services. And, and, you know, we got a call and they said, Hey, can you pick up cars from people's homes? Like, well, what are you talking about? They said, Well, the dealerships are closed and we have lease terminations coming up. Um, lease termination is I have a genius a Camry, right? And I'm going to drop it off at the dealer because it's up. And individuals said, Well, we don't want to keep it, even if you extend it because we're not driving anywhere. I don't want the payment. So we're like, Startup, sure, we'll do it. <laughs> wow, talk about timing! <laughs> timing, right? So, but what that really taught us is like, there's a, actually a massive demand for interaction at the home. I call it home engagement, home pickup, home drop off. Just like you know, when you were talking to Scott at, at Spiffy, people want services at their house, and so we started to build. I'll take team. you.
1: I'll take you a step further. Yeah. People don't want services at their house. People don't want to waste time. Exactly,
0: you're exactly right. And it could be at their house. It could be at their. <laughs> it, could be at their it could be at their office. It could be come to me, right? That's true, yeah. And and I think what what was really interesting, that started to build our capabilities and quickly, so talk about the call start problem. How do you cover home addresses anywhere in the United States, anywhere, and move them to a dealer, right? So we started to build tech around that, right? In 2020, we launched what we call today's Winton. Is that like IBM, IBM Watson's cousin or no, something? No, actually, that, that's Watson, <laughs> right? I know, I know. But, uh, but, yeah, but uh, the first guy, the guy the guy credited with the horse and buggy trailer was Winton. Oh, that's cool.
1: Okay, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Man, we're in a rollover here. Spiffy with the penguin, Winton, Run Buggy.
0: I got a lot of We're days. setting the bar very high. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that also led us to having conversations with the Bring a Trailer team huge fan. I bought another car on the trailer, right? And I sent an email. I said, Hey, it'd be nice if I could ship this. And, you know, we made our connection to Randy, the CEO there, who I consider just an amazing individual, right? If you ever had a chance to meet him, you know, amazing individual. And he made the time for us. I can only imagine, you know, everyone wants to talk to him. And to this date, they still have the most sophisticated, robust integration there is. With Rumbuggy. With Rumbuggy, right? They put a lot of time and energy and effort into this. It, it is completely seamless to check out. It's automatic pricing. It's part of your experience. It is truly like what you'd expect from an Amazon experience.
1: So how did this work prior to Run Buggy, right? Like 2017, I'm buying a car on eBay motors or wherever, right? I, I don't know if Bring a Trailer was, you know, launched yeah. in 2017. Maybe they were, but what did this, what was this like as a consumer and what is it like now?
0: So. I, I feel I still think, you know, even though we've made progress and 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 I'll call it the competition, it's still the same because the market is so big. And what do I mean by that? It is still if you go out and you ask me when you're in the industry, right? So you can you know guys that maybe ship a car, you can maybe ask them to ship a car. But if you go to the average person, or you know, I'll call it 99% of the population, say, like, how do you ship a car? Or how does a car get shipped? No one knows. How do I ship a car? If I ask you right now, what would you do? If you didn't know me, what would you do to ship a car from your house to Scottsdale?
1: I would call up my GM and tell him, hey, who do we know? Who
0: do we use to ship cars? And you
1: would, would find some yeah, you would he find would, uh, someone, right?
0: It's still like that. It's like that across the board, right? And even at the new car level, like they have carrier fixed carriers that do a phenomenal job. There's still deviations. They still have to go find someone, right? I I encourage you like you know we think like i said we think 50 million cars a year are shipped and it's and it's growing there is no dominant player there's no w- one major brand but how
1: do you so how do you aggregate that all on your platform yeah like do you have like a list of a database of like you know haulers, or because it seems like you know a lot of these people are, you know great people but they're also they don't seem like the most sophisticated and i've interacted with some haulers and Again, I don't want to speak for the entire market. Just you know, certain haulers I've interacted with. You know, much obviously it's more blue collar, and you know, when you're talking about apps and all this stuff. Like again, I I spoke about this on the Scott Wingo podcast. Like, I'm a mechanic. I want to turn wrenches. Don't let me start doing all this app stuff. That's not what I want to do. If I wanted to do that, I would go learn (laughs) software engineering. Yeah. So
0: how do you go ahead? So it's a really good question, right? So one of the things is we approached the large shippers first, and we said, hey. We have a phenomenal platform. We can integrate through APIs. We can securely take it. You get all your reporting to, through the platform free. You know, we have full service claims and everything. Got it. And then we created, we have an app for the drivers. The dry, What are the driver incentives? We don't charge them, but we allow them to take pictures. We allow them uh, to pick up whatever loads that they want. We allow them to be their own business. They also get paid within one or two days. We go out and build a shipper in net 15, net 30. So they are literally running their book of business. We also work on behalf of them. Say, so, hey, we see you have an open spot. Do you want another car along the way? So we keep the trucks full. Wow, ah, I like that a lot. Yeah. That's we good. Say, You're bringing, that's that's a lot of value right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, backhaul. Hey, we're, I'm driving back from LA to New York. Do you have anything? Or they look on the platform, better yet. And like, oh, I'm this is in Kansas City. I'll pick it up. Instead of driving all the way back empty, I've got something to take back. There is a challenge with the number of drivers out there, but there's also a major challenge with the optimization, keeping trucks full, right? Drivers yeah. can't drive 24 hours a day. They've got a logbook. They've got to adhere to the logbook, right? What we can't afford is empty spots and empty trucks. What's a logbook? So uh, there's a regulation, right? How many hours can you drive? Oh, and so I just, just like a commercial driver, right? You, you can't drive too many hours. And I think that's key. So you can't say, hey, you you might have a team of drivers. I'm lo- I'm going to pay more. Get that car to meet fast. Like, hey, I only can drive so many hours in a day. Mm-hmm. What's uh, I know some companies,
1: you know, I see like under ads, like, hey, you get to come home every day. Like, what's, what's the deal there? Like, how do they do that? Well, Is I it think- just like the major nationwide corporations that have so many like spokes that they're able to, you know, give you shorter hauls? Or how does that work?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's part of it. They're, they're doing inner city. Like we do a lot of inner city work. Um, you know, Hey, it's okay. 30, 40, 50, even a couple hundred miles. Guy will go a couple of miles, come back. But what is, what is really, um, I think unique about automotive transport, just like I think we were discussing earlier is it's, it's all over the United States, right? So if we, if we talk about right, um, individuals, you so talk about moving a car, you talk about bringing a trailer, you talk about any of these things, you don't know where the order is going until you get it. And you don't know what state, to what state it's going from? It's extremely complex. So we have seventeen thousand drivers signed up on the platform right now. Wow! And out of every order that comes in, between eighty to eighty-five percent of them go claimed, meaning a driver sees on his phone and picks up that order without us getting involved. So how do you make money? The magic so question. I, I think again, it's, it's it's pretty straightforward, right? It's a lot like Uber, right? We will charge the the shipper one number and we'll pay the transporter another number. I I will say this, this isn't a game of marking things up two times, half a time. It's, it's a, it's a low margin game and we're going for scale. What are the typical margins? Margins are probably between 10 to 10 to 15% on this. And is, is that, is that gross? Yeah. Got it. So we'll move, right? Like I said, we'll move in 2024. We'll move, you know, we think well over a couple hundred thousand cars. Got it. So,
1: you know, if I'm spending $1,000 on a, on a transport, you're making roughly 150 gross. Yep. I mean, I'll take that. I think that's fair. You know, you, you hooked me up with the, with the transporter. You made my life easy. I don't have to pick up the phone, waste time. I'll take it. Yeah, y- I mean you know, clearly I used it, but
0: <laughs> you, you'll take it, and you know you recover um, insurance, right? We make sure the driver has insurance. You have tracking links. You can you can engage with a transporter. It's on your phone. We run seven days a week, twelve hours a day. You don't have to pay the guy in cash. You can put in your credit card. We, it can, if you're a dealer, we can bill you later. It's truly um, I call it like a modern experience. Would you expect with anything else?
1: Yeah, I mean I think the first time I heard about you, I was skeptical. I think it was someone at the dealership was looking to, to use, you know, run buggy for some, you know, out of state sales. And I was skeptical just because, you know, we're, we're business people. The first thing that goes to our mind is like, how do I disintermediate this, this middleman for my business? yeah But then you realize that they're actually bringing value and you're like, okay, well maybe it's, it actually makes a lot of sense because it's saving me time and my team is spending less time. And so, uh, the, the psychology cycle I went through or whatever it's called, when I first heard it about is. it,
0: I, I think I think you you know everyone has that initial thought. Like well, I know a guy that will go down to you know from Pittsburgh, New York, not a problem. Then all of a sudden you're selling a you're selling a car and it needs to go to Wisconsin. You're like, I don't know anyone, right? And you start <laughs> calling and you get different prices and you don't know who to trust. And then that's cash on delivery. And so then also you're like, I don't want to do this, right? And and you realize that you're not saving any money, right? We have that um that epiphany moment with a lot of dealer groups.
1: And in terms of markets you're serving, you're all over the country?
0: Yeah. We cover even Alaska and Hawaii now, right? So we're uh, we're covering all over the country. We, you know, like I said, I think we probably have the most diverse delivery uh, network. And what do I mean by that? You know, a lot of people will move from dealer to port or or, or marshaling yard. We're doing a couple thousand unique addresses every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. How much
1: funding have you raised in total?
0: Yeah. So we've raised $47 million in funding today. And I think we, you know, we were going down this road and started to talk. But you know, what led to the kind of break of trailer on these things was our Series A, right? So Series A was in, you know, public information, was led by the Larry H. Miller uh, family. And then we had Hearst Ventures and Porsche all participate. So um, great group of people. And we purposely kept it really focused on automotive because it's it's when you start talking about off lease, you start talking about repo and finished vehicle logistics. And dealers and auction. There's a lot of domain knowledge that comes to this. And there's a lot of, I think, bespoke information and how it served us really well is kind of on on the the tail end of COVID, you saw massive inventory shortages, right? So one of the things is sometimes I feel like we're a little bit like a leading indicator, or maybe we're, maybe Mayas, or maybe we're a trailing indicator, but we saw a massive drop in repo, uh, off-lease because what happened is, Let me put it this way. If you were going to take a forerunner to a dealership, do you think it was going to go to auction two years ago? Unless it was on on two wheels and not running, you probably would keep Keep it and sell it. So none of those cars went to auction. So we saw a massive reduction in off-lease volume. But it's slowly starting to come back. As inventory comes back, I think we're seeing also more demand for um, transport in general as the EV makers ramp up production.
1: So you mentioned leading indicators. I actually wrote this out in my notes. You're transporting. You're obviously you know ahead of the the consumer here. What are you seeing right now? What is the data telling you in terms of transport? What are you seeing?
0: Yeah. So you know, um, I think this is, this is pretty common common knowledge. We're seeing a, a pretty big uptick in repo repossessions. Really. And uh, yes, that's that's so. Um, like
1: part- partners that you're working with that you know lenders or whatever. You're just doing serving more business for them.
0: Yeah. So as a car goes from a repo yard to an auction, we're, we're moving those for a lot of lenders, right? We're coordinating when the car is available. We're coordinating uh, to taking it to the auction. So we're seeing a, a dramatic uptick there. How, what, what do you say
1: dramatic uptick? What, what are, can you put some numbers behind that?
0: Yeah. You know, I think this is just for the business that we do, right? We're seeing it grow about 5% every month.
1: Wow. Yeah. And what is there specific regions or is this nationwide?
0: It's nationwide, right? You know, we we can't tell. Um, you know, you know, sometimes the remember sometimes the car ends up at a at a yard that might not be too close to where it was originated from, right? So it's all over the United States, but we're seeing that continually grow and we're seeing more demand for it. We're also seeing more interest from customers that we don't have wanting to talk to us because it's a difficult business, right? You, you know. You have to pick up the car from a yard and you have to make sure it's operable. You have to make sure there's keys and then take it to the auction for sale. So we're seeing, that's that's a, one of the most interesting things we're seeing. We're also seeing dealers, individual dealers sell more highline cars outside of their PMA. And what do I mean by that? Ugh. It used to be for a couple of years, you put anything nice on the showroom lot. You had 1%, 2% interest, 3% interest. There was this this craze. It was gone. It was sold. Now we're seeing a little bit more. And I don't have hard information, but anecdotal. I'm saying, hey, that car just got shipped to states. It's a it's $100,000 car. This car is being shipped over there. This car is being shipped over there. It's not as easy to find the buyer just to walk in the showroom floor.
1: Yeah, and it makes sense, right? I'm paying more interest. Let me dispose of this car anywhere, even at a lower price, even if it's out of state, if I have to maybe, you know, subsidized shipping just so i can get it off my books and you know move yeah. the metal
0: well you know if, if you have a hundred dollar card you're thinking about your flooring costs and you think about the risk there what's you know maybe fifteen hundred dollars to send it you know six seven states away that makes total sense yeah so we're seeing that wow so
1: now and then in terms of just broader demand what are you seeing there are you seeing that your demand you know versus last year is it growing declining How how, how are you looking how are you seeing that
0: yeah. So, you know, in, in 2021, 2022, we grew 100% year over year for two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing, you know, pretty good growth this year, not not at that same scale. We'll probably see 100% growth next year and and beyond that. I, I think what's happening is you have this notion, you have this reduction in driver base, right? A lot of them have left the business during covid you don't have as many uh, young people going in, so you need to have better optimization tools. You're also seeing more as EVs come on, right? So whether it's whether it's Rivian, whether it's Fisker, obviously Tesla, Lucid, they are doing taking up more transportation because they have more deliveries to people's homes too. They also have more deliveries that they pick up cars and take them to different locations. So you're seeing so so they're working with you for transport. A few of them are, yeah. Because we do a lot of the home deliveries,
1: right? Ah, so you're saying that you're saying that pretty much the whole direct to consumer model is you know great for your business, especially. I mean, obviously, when these players use you,
0: yeah, it it is. It's really good for our business. Um, I think you know it's good for the 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 OEM as well. There's a good experience. People like getting their new car delivered to their home. They like having that experience. So it works out really well. But that's also taking up capacity, right? You know, you're ha- now adding this to um, an industry that's already challenged with delivering cars. You're now you're adding all these home deliveries on top of it. And you, and that's an expectation, right? We also have to think about the demographics So the younger people get more involved in car buying, right? They might buy a car, they get sold in a the house. They might use a subscription model, right? You were talking to Scott at Autonomy. We moved from Autonomy's cars, right? So there's subscription models that also take up transportation because those cars get shipped to the person's house or they get moved around the U.S. as well. So we're seeing the market grow as well. Do we still have a transporter shortage? I, I think there's enough transporters. Um, there, there's probably a couple pockets of, of geography that maybe there might not be enough. Right. What I do think is we've got to do a better job of optimizing. I say this, right? It's like you know, you and I fly around a lot. I'm getting on a plane later today. Those planes are always full. They come back full. They never stop unless they're waiting for a crew. But if we, you know, we go transport. I'll say truck drivers and automotive. some of the hardest working people, keep their trucks full, give them the loads that they need to when they're driving back, don't let them drive back empty if they don't want to fill their trucks. If they can take nine cars, give them nine cars. So how do you do that? Like, what's the secret sauce here? So one of the things that we really focus on is this optimization, I think in a, in a, in actually, We've been able to map the routes of drivers, right? And so we can see where they're going at any time, right? And it's anonymized. We don't really know. You know, we don't, it's not for tracking purposes, but we have the ability in the app to say, hey, they're like buzzing in the app. There's a car 25 miles to the left of you that's going the same direction you are going. And it's going to pay $300 if you pick it up right now. We see that you generally drive down 95 from Florida to New York, and we happen to have a car just off 95 right now. Would you like it? We do that at scale. We do wow. that across the United States. That's been kind of one of our biggest value adds. We also are working right now on um, you know, we'll probably we're going to announce it internally in a couple of weeks with Chat, 4 and AI. We collect all this data. so now we're able to say, this is the right transporter for this job. Programmatically,
1: when what would make a transporter right? Is it just like the most profitable, the most efficient? What?
0: Where he is, right? So, here's the hardest thing: I don't know. So, you, you take Uber Freight, you take Convoy for the most part, right? Or even Uber or Lyft, you have short runs, or you know you're going between two major destinations. If you're going to ship a car tomorrow, I don't know where you're going to ship it to till I get the order. So. It's extremely difficult if you decide to ship it to Topeka, Kansas, we'll do it. Try to find someone to take a five thousand pound car who you want it gone in the next couple of days, gone safely, registered, drive through the heartland of the u s It's difficult, right? There's guys that do it, but you need to know how to find them.
1: What's the biggest challenge facing run buggy over the next you know couple of years
0: um I, I think one of the 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 thing is is continuing um the scale right it is we're taking on more and more verticals. so today um we do b to b b to c c to b and c to c right we're also starting with several companies on the vehicle logistics so as an organization we think we're the only transportation company that covers the entire gamut what i mean we do home deliveries right we do home pickups. We do finished vehicle logistics. It's building software that's extensible and scalable for all of them, whether you're the largest OEM in the world or whether you're an individual that just is going to go on a long vacation wants to move your car with you. Same
1: platform. But what what percentage of your business is just consumers?
0: The consumer business is growing, and, uh, and not in terms of VINs but in terms of dollars because the average consumer move we have, is about $1,200, right? The average off-lease repo move we have is about $300. And so you have this almost four-to-one ratio that you have. So um today- And my,
1: my guess there is that, go, go ahead. No, like, 80% I'm just going to ask. So wh- why, why is that though? Why is what? Is it because like the auction, the repo just goes right to an auction that's very close yeah. to it, local?
0: Well, are you going to ship your car 150 miles? No, you probably drive it. You get someone to drive it. You might drive and take an Uber back, even, right? Are you going to ship your car from Pittsburgh to California? There's a good chance you might.
1: Got it. So that's that like inflection point where a consumer says, "Hey, I'll use transport," and it happens to be a higher ticket item.
0: It's almost inverse for for um, everyone else saying, "Hey, that's we're going to sell it within our area. We're going to take it to the closest auction. Why would we move it?" Right? Although that is happening a little bit because. Going back to the case of the Forerunner, a salt free California forerunner might be worth more in your area than it is in California. Uh, right. So we're seeing some people do that because if you can have instant value or instant buying and you have we do instant guaranteed pricing on transportation, you know exactly the uh the price then.
1: Would you say instant guarantee pricing, like so you tell me right away how much I'm going to pay and you are you haven't confirmed it yet on your end? Yeah, do you take we, risk we, from that? We've
0: done enough, uh, i call it enough math, right? Enough research. Yeah. <laughs> that We instantly price it and we guarantee it. We won't change it on you. That's good. So it can be, it can be an oversized car. It can be a motorcycle. It, it can be an EV. Yeah, my assumption is that <clears throat> the
1: variance there is probably not that great. So, you know, the customer experience benefits definitely outweigh the potential costs. Yeah, or it seems look, like it makes sometimes,
0: sense. Uh, uh, sometimes we mess up, right? Because it's any any address to any address. And we that goes to the database. And we take a look at it. And we refactor that pricing.
1: Incredible. So, I mean, thinking like five, ten years out, right? Where is run buggy? What does this look like?
0: Yeah. So, look, I, I think one of my goals or investors' goal, the team's goal, right, is we really want to create... Um, a recognized brand in love shipping. You know, I don't look, I don't think, you know, we're ever going to be a brand that people are, hey, sitting around the coffee table talk about, what did you use to ship your car? Right. But, you know, I I think there is a need for a major brand that does most of the shipping. Right. I also think that transporters and, and the guys that move and gals that move the cars, they deserve to have a really good, um, App, they deserve to get paid quickly, deserve to get paid at fair wage. They deserve all this, right? I think they're some of the hardest working people. We want to kind of extend that commonality, right? One of the things that we're doing, and I think this is part of our five year plan, is we also have software that we sell now. So in November of last year, we launched a product called Hitch, which is our transport management system, right? That means we, you know, what we said, we took a step back and we said, hey. All this software built, which has task management and workflow, why not we just give it to someone else too? Because it's built really for scale.
1: You're really, you really are the spiffy of uh, auto transform It's exactly what Scott was mentioning last. I, oh, I listen to your
0: podcast to look. Hey, what should I do next? <laughs> <laughs> I right? love it. And,
1: and, ah, I mean, uh, it makes total sense. You build all this great technology. Well, great. Let me license it or yeah, you know well, leverage well, it in other ways. It, right, it makes total sense. And,
0: and the unique part is when we license it, they're still using the, the buggy. Yeah, but they're using it for their own assets. Right. Mm-hmm. So they have their own drivers, maybe their own ballet, their own porters, right. They're putting them on there. We've got a thousand rooftops in the pipeline. Um, you know, we have, uh, the largest, not, not Mannheim, but the other largest concider, uh, auction footprint in North America. That's rolling it out right now. Right. We'll be also, uh, putting out a press release for a company in UK and Ireland, and we'll have uh, opportunities in Mexico and Canada as well. We planning an IPO? Not yet. Yeah, <laughs> um, Fair I, like, I, I think you know. Even though you know, we're, there's still a lot to be done. The market is still massive. I think um, you know. Like I guess we're gonna we're, we're excited about 2024. I'm not sure if if the pandemic was a wrinkle or a blessing in disguise yet. I think time will tell. Right from from a pure technology perspective. um, Yeah. You know, it's taught us a lot of lessons and I think that's something we need to figure out.
1: I want to backtrack to one point you made. You mentioned um, just EVs, the impact of that. You had to go back. (laughs) I had to go back. I had to go back. What you got?
0: Yeah. So uh, it impacts our business in in a positive way. Right. But I I think there's, there's, it's not just about us. I think there's a, there's a positive message here. Right. So, I think what's come out of it, people are accepting to have their car picked up or delivered to wherever they choose, whether it's their home, like you said, rightly, it's about convenience or time. There is um, there is a realization, though, from some of these um, pure EV players that, hey, when a, a car does break down, you have to take it somewhere, right? In the case of, of some of them outside of Tesla, they don't have a lot of service centers yet. It has to be towed. They also have to have, um, they don't have the dealer lots. The dealers do a phenomenal job, right, of storing cars and holding cars. Where do you put sometimes the inventory as you're building it, right? So that means more shifting and quicker shifting and marshalling yards. So from our perspective, it, it has, um, has been a bit of positive impact. I do think, you know, EV adoption is going to to grow from what we see, right? We see people always very excited. You know, I personally drive an R1T, Right. I've had it for about 14 months now. It it's an amazing car, right? And I'm a huge car guy, right? I can go on and on and on and on forever. But at the same time, right, I always, you know, I always wonder like, hey, if something happens, where do I take it to? Right. There is one one facility about 20, 20 miles north of me. Um, so I think there's gonna be more need for specialized transport, quicker transport, uh, in the future. Right. You don't have Rivian, lucid you know, Fisker, VinFast locations all over the United States. Dude, you guys are gonna be a
1: massive company. Maybe. Not that you're not huge already, but it's uh, it seems like a no-brainer. It, th- this is what I was referring to at the beginning when I said like a simple idea, not actually the execution of it, but it's like right, like food delivery. Like simple idea, DoorDash, Uber, like yeah, of course, let me hail a ride. Like simple idea. It's the simple ideas that, you know, when done right, when properly executed, are just, you know, bring so much value to the everyday person.
0: Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. I think, I think we keep focusing on, or I keep focusing on, I want to make it as much as possible an easy and relatively enjoyable task. Like no one enjoys shipping their car, but let's make it, let's, let's make it, you know, something that we don't have to think twice about. And it doesn't matter who I am. If I'm an OEM, if I'm an individual, if I'm buying my dream car off of a, an auction site, just... Type in address to from just like we do with Uber. We take it for granted, right? I think, you know, is a is truck going to show up in five minutes? Absolutely not, right? He might be there in, um, in, in uh, a couple days or a day, depending on the route. Let's make it easy. Let's make it what we're used to.
1: I think you guys, you know, the more I think about it, the more you have a similar problem as dealers, which is a challenge. Um, the average person buys, you know, one car every... I don't know, four to six years. Yeah, um, something along those lines, right? And so you sort of have to be there when they're ready, right? It's not like a, you know, non-discretionary purchase that I make every week or every month, right? You have to be there when they're ready. When they're ready to buy that car, when they're ready to transport it, you need to be top of mind, one way or another, or else you've lost that business potentially for years.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, right? So on on the consumer side, we think there's about two million searches a year on how do I ship my car, right? So it's it it's, it's pretty big and about a million private card shit. If you go to the lenders, right, they put out multi-year RFPs. Right? One of the challenges in our business yeah. is participating in the RFP, winning that RFP, which can be a year sales cycle and then executing on the RFP.
1: So for, for anyone in the audience that's not familiar with like the corporate proposal process, right? So these, these lenders put out <clears> our, <throat> <clears throat> excuse me, RFP request for proposal, right? It's like fancy explainer of what I'm looking for and. You come in and say, "Hey, I'll you know I'll offer the service at X price, right?"
0: Yep, that's exactly right. We'll offer the service. Here's the insurance. Here's our proposal. Here's our pricing. Here's our security. Here's the the legal like, legally surrounded, it, right? So it, that's also very daunting for a startup, right? We've had RFPS and and contracts at MSFA that are over thirty pages long, right? Wow. Because if you remember, a lender is a bank, so we're essentially integrating with a bank.
1: Incredible, Kevin. Um, any closing thoughts? Any other things I didn't ask you that you think the audience should know?
0: No, I, I think we you know we covered quite a bit, right? I think you know. I think the only thing that's kind of unique to us is we we slightly separated our consumer brand. It's called Rumbuggy One, right? So go to rumbuggyone.com. Who's the mastermind?
1: Easy- Who's the mastermind behind all this branding work? I want to know. I want to meet this person.
0: Yeah, I, I think our, our, you know, our, our head of marketing would like to say he is, but he he's definitely influential. But we, you know, one of the things I focus on as a leader is the the senior team is the exact same senior team since day one, right? No one's left. We have no attrition. These guys I value their input. They they, they work hard, right? So it's usually a collaborative group. We get together a lot in person. I think Great. if I had to coach, which I've done in the past, anyone else doing a startup, focus on your team, right? You know. Startups are fun and cool, but if you don't have the right team, it doesn't go anywhere.
1: That's what it's all about. Yeah. It sounds trite, but it's just the truth. This, it what is. What say surround yourself.
0: Surround yourself with guys like Steve Greenfield, who's on our advisory board, and, you know, talk to guys like Brad Parker, Private Auto. So,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw you guys just launched uh, an integration with Private Auto.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll literally, if I go down your podcast list and and us, <laughs> <laughs> so you
1: tell me, I who's should I should charge you for the client list. <laughs> you tell me who's
0: next. I'll go talk to him. Right? You'd be surprised. There's a, there's a couple on there that I, I probably shouldn't have mentioned that we're we're getting closer and closer to.
1: Well, we got Brett Morgan from Morgan Auto Group next. So I think that's a that's a nice book of business right there, <laughs> Brett. If you're listening, we got we got a good one for you. Brett's a good guy. I love it. That's great. Yeah. All right, Kevin. Um, I mean, last but not least, where can people learn more about you, Ron Buggy? Anyone that's interested?
0: Yeah. Um, reach out. You know. Through LinkedIn, you know, reach out to me directly. rumbuggy.com, dot or website. We are going to be at a ton of conferences coming up. Right, we're actually in my in my hometown, Use Car Week. Um, we're going to be a major sponsor there as well. And then um, listen to this podcast and send it to your friends.
1: I think you'll uh, you'll be surprised. Well, maybe you won't be surprised, but I'm going to be doing a fireside chat with uh, Steve Greenfield at Use Car Week. Okay, I won't be there physically. I will uh- be remotely. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a very fun conversation. So that's that's my little surprise for this podcast that I haven't spoken about or announced yet.
0: That's great. Well, we'll we'll miss you. I think you know we've got a panel with Steve also. So yeah, um, you know we'll have to meet up in person then.
1: Yeah, huh. for sure. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on. This was very interesting. Uh, I found it fascinating, especially the part about the leading indicators into the economy and what you mentioned. I mean, I think that's just. Uh, you know that's info that you have access to that you know others don't, which I very fascinating. Uh, but thanks for sharing everything about Run Buggy, and just love to see what you guys are doing. Like I said, I have used it myself. You know, terrific experience. Uh, actually, bought my wife's car from the group that invested in you early on, and so that's how that all worked out. I did ship a car across the country, um, and it worked out really great.
0: No, thanks for the time. I appreciate the uh, the opportunity, and look forward to chatting more.
1: Love it. We'll be in touch. Thanks, Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Please give the podcast a rating. Consider subscribing to the show and check the show notes for links to what we talked about. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you guys next time.